you're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, live from the Hotel Sheraton in New Orleans. Here is your special Sunbelt Media Days edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Of Sunbelt Media Days coming to you live from the Hotel Sheraton in New Orleans. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. James Mesh back in the master control suite. We're kicking the show off with a bang on this Wednesday afternoon. Louisiana head coach Michael Desermo joining me right off the top. Coach, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm good, Matt. Thank you all for having me. Uh, I think we got an audio issue. You got me there? Yeah, I got you. Okay. No, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Really always good to be on the show. So, Coach, you know, you, you've been with Louisiana for years now, playing career, now with the program as a coach in every different position up until head coach. Replacing Billy Napier, you know, what does that mean to you to replace, you know, such a big name in the history of this program for a program that's been close to your heart for so long? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be able to follow up Coach Napier and what he's done for us and for our program, I mean, it just it means the world to me. Uh, you know, and I think the thing that he did was he really helped us to get this thing set up and create a blueprint uh, that we've all seen and we know and we believe in that leads to success. So, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to be able to sit you know, right by his side for four years now and get to see the way that he operated and ran this program. And, uh, you know, the one thing I know is I know it works for the Cajuns. And, um, you know, we're excited about the opportunity to continue to do it. Got a great staff um, that those guys are absolute professionals. They take care of their business, and they've made this transition really, really easy um, for me. Uh, just knowing that they're handling their things and they're part of it. And uh, it's allowed me just to kind of focus on the changes that I've got to make and getting used to the new role that I'm in. You know, what's it going to be like having already – you already have a game under your belt as head coach, having coached the New Orleans Bowl last year in that win against Marshall. So how does that make, you know, starting off your technically year one, how does that make that a little bit easier? Well, you know, I, I think it, it was a great experience for me um, for our players and, and for the staff that's still here, um, you know, there's it kind of eliminates maybe the the questions and will it be the same? Will the things will things still continue to run the way that they did? You know, we actually got to experience it together. We got to go do it together and really uh, beat a really good team in the New Orleans Bowl uh, for a game that meant a lot to all of us. So, you know, I think it was invaluable experience. A great opportunity for me um, to be able to step into that new role and have to, you know, manage the team and, and, and all the things that go with it and uh, get a little bit of a trial run. And it was certainly good to win that game, you know, would have been a, a, a tough eight months otherwise. So so it was a, uh, it was a really good experience for us. Let's look at the quarterback room, and, and I know you're tired of this conversation. You know, you replace a great like Levi Lewis, who was an all-time great in this program. Chandler Fields, been in the program, understands the system. Ben Woolridge as well. You know, I, I know you said that August 22nd is the deadline, but, you know, is, is the race favoring one guy at all, or is, is it still, you know, pretty down the middle? No, I, I mean, I, I really – truly feel like it's really down the middle with those two guys um 
they're both really well versed in the system. They understand it. You know, they know the ins and outs of it. They've put the time in to learn it. Um, they execute at a really high level. And, you know, you know, sometimes it'd be easy to say, well, you wish one guy was just a lot better. I think in the long run, you're better off having two guys that you feel as strongly as I do about competing for this spot. Um, you know, I know without a doubt that whoever wins this job is going to go out there on Saturdays and they're going to put our team in position to play really good football. And, uh, you know, I don't think you rush these types of decisions just to make one, um, especially when you got two guys that, that deserve to really get a chance at winning it. Looking at the skill player position, obviously you have to replace Amon Daly, Montrell Johnson. Chris Smith was leading rusher last year. He's back in the fold. you got Kendrell Williams and Terrence Williams. And then wide receivers, I mean, a, a list long. Michael Jefferson, Errol Rogers, Peter LeBlanc. You know, skill position-wise, how do you feel about this offense? You know, I, I feel really good about it. Um, you know, at positions like running back and with a lot of the positions on our team, you've got the luxury of having a proven player who's been very productive um, and done it before in games. The depth comes from guys who we think are really talented and we know have a great future here, uh, but their time is now, right? And the opportunity for them is right now. So it's going to be fun to see who steps up. You know, it was really similar in the running back room last year with Chris coming back and some unknowns behind him. Uh, we feel the same way about that. Uh, really, in a lot of our positions, you know, receiver is a little bit different. You know, receiver and the defensive line to me are probably the two positions where you say, okay, you got a lot of guys that have played both the starters and the depth and everyone that's going to see the field in that room. Um, you know, someone asked, do you see any of these young guys, these true freshmen playing at receiver? You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't predict that with what we have coming back, but I can tell you if they do, it's a good thing. <laughs> you know, we've, and we've got some good young ones, but, uh, you know, that receiver group is really probably one of the strengths of our offense as far as guys that have proven themselves to play uh, in college football games. Biggest question mark for this offense is going to be the offensive line. you got to replace four starters from a year ago. You know, you've got guys that have playing experience with Nathan Thomas and Carlos Rubio. Who else on that offensive line do you see as guys that are really going to step up? Yeah, you know, to me, the, the number we always talk about, we always talk about having eight that you feel really good about and playing them. Um, I think we've got ten that are really in that mix. Um, you know, you talked about Nathan and Rubio. Um, you know, obviously A.J. Gilly started the entire year. But you go into guys that have, have experience doing it for us. You know, David Hudson is one of them, right? He's been in the mix. Jax Harrington, every year since he's been here, has been in the mix. You know, last year he was playing a lot, um, gets hurt for the year. Uh, you know, behind those guys, you know, you got Landon Burton, who was really competing for that starting spot. Um, still have an opportunity, but, you know, had a little setback in spring with an injury. Um, you know, you go down the list, you got King McGowan and George Jackson at tackle. Well, those two guys are, are, are really talented players. They're young players that we're really excited. It's their turn, right? It's time for them to step up and do it. Um, James Ohamba transferred in as an older guy. Um, he was the guy we needed in spring. He's in the mix and compete for those spots. Um, <clears throat> You know, and you just you continue to look at it. You know, with Quentin Williams, the guy who transferred in from junior college, got here this summer. You know, you got about ten guys that I've seen enough of to say, all right, these these guys are going to be in the mix here. Um, you know, and then we signed some good young players too. I, I think it's always hard to say that uh, an offensive lineman will start as a true freshman, uh, just because there's so many things that go into it. But we signed a good group there, so. You know, we feel really good about the guys that we've got. It's not like there's eight that we have to get to work. Um, there's about ten of them that I truly see 
could go out there and go play for us and play winning football for us on Saturdays. Louisiana head football coach Michael Desermo joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Looking at the defense, coach, not not much different from last year. You have your anchors in, in Zion Hill, Andre Jones, and in the secondary, you got Trey Amos and, and a couple others. The big, the two big pieces missing, Chauncey Manack and Percy Butler. Sure. Yeah, you know, um, you look at that defense, and you got a lot of guys who have played a lot of really good snaps for us. Um, you know, certainly you lose a fourth-round draft pick. Well, that, that's a difference maker, right, yeah. Percy Butler. And then the year Chauncey Manack had last year, um, just being a presence on the edge uh, makes a huge difference. Um, so those are two game-changers that you lose right there. Um, you know, defensive line is a position we feel like we've got a lot of really good depth at. Uh, you know, with Zion, Andre Landry, Jaquan Nelson, uh, all those guys, Mason Norsey's who have played a whole lot. And then there's a lot of youngsters in there that are really talented that, you know, Sonny Hazards and, uh, you know, Nigel McGriff and Jordan Lawson. And the list kind of goes on and on that you feel like this is a really, really good group, um, you know, that we've got to get some production out of them. Uh, at linebacker, you got Jordan Quibido and Chris Moncrief, who they've played a variety of different roles for us, and they'll be stepping the starting positions at inside linebacker. And behind them, some young players that, you know, the KCO size of the world, Jasper, um, you know, and uh, Kendra Gant, and, you know, some of these Caleb Edwards, these young guys that are going to be really good players. They're behind some vets that have seen a lot, um, but they'll be really good depth for us. Um, and the secondary... You know, Eric Gare and Trey Amos, I mean, those guys are as good a corner as you're going to get in this league. Um, at safety, you know, Braylon Trahan two years ago led the country, I think, in interceptions. Uh, Jaron Wilson's going to be playing safety. Cam Podesco, uh, can't forget about him. And then, you know, the Tyree Skippers, the, uh, you know, Tyrone Lewis's of the world. Those guys have played on teams for us, and they're right in position to go out there and make an impact, along with, you know, Brandon Bishop and Pat Mensa and Cortland Flowers. I mean, there's a lot of good ones that have played for us, um, a lot of guys that we're – incredibly excited about uh you know getting out there and and really having the opportunity to have a bigger role on this defense um you know part of college football man it's not the nfl you know they, they don't sign long-term contracts you know that they're in and out and it's kind of what makes it fun is you get new names and new faces and you get to see them grow up and develop special teams kenny almondaris back from that foot injury reese burns who i have said from the jump is one of the best punters of the yep. country you know how how comforting is it to have such an airtight special teams group? It, it's huge. Um, you know, last year our, our kicking issues were, were certainly uh, a sore spot, you know, to say the least. And, and it presented a lot of challenges for us offensively, um, you know, when, when we had those struggles kicking the ball through the uprights. So having Kenny back, who's done it in games, who's been incredibly consistent, is is, is certainly a luxury, one that we, we don't take for granted, to say the least. Um, you know, Reese has just been the model of consistency since he's gotten here. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a great feeling to feel like that that group, the specialist group, is sewed up pretty tight. Coach, looking at the schedule, you know, you, you've got some big games there. The at Marshall on the Wednesday night, the Thursday night in Hattiesburg. You even get to go to Tallahassee and play Florida State. Uh, but I got to ask you, with the schedule that you guys have, and you know that 13 and one from a year ago, the nation's longest win streak. Does that put any pressure on you to to continuously deliver, you know, solid performances each week? Well, I mean, I think the pressure's there regardless if you have a win streak or not, right? Um, and, and truthfully, you know, win or lose, you want to go play well every week. Um, 
And for us, you know, really the last two years, we really didn't play very well, especially offensively early in the year. Um, we won games and we were able to survive and win. But it, it, it's about you work so hard in football and you work year-round for, for 12 guaranteed opportunities, right? You want to make the most out of them. You want to capitalize and you want to go play well. So you know, I, I don't know that the winning streak or anything like that puts any more pressure than we already do on ourselves to play really well. Um, I think it's something that our kids, you know, they know um, certainly will embrace. And it's something that, you know, it motivates you to me, if nothing else, it'll motivate you every single game to, to get up and to go play well because you know that people are going to be gunning for you. They're going to be trying to end it, and it just gives you a little bit more motivation to play. Last question for you, Coach. Looking at the Sun Belt West, how competitive is it? I mean, just, you know, look at the scores. Um, you know, I, I know – I know what people say about us in the Sun Belt West, and yeah, you know, I mean we've won, we've played 14 one-possession games in the last two years. Well, you know that says a lot about the the talent level. I mean, you go to Arkansas State last year and, and squeak one out by one. You know, UO Monroe at home was a five-point game. Um, you, you know, it 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 goes down to the wire. You know, Texas State we play them there every year. We play them there. It's a it's a hard win. Um, so you know, the Sun Belt West is 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 a division that I really think you got a lot of teams that are on the way up. Um, you know, you add Troy, who's always good, Southern Miss, who the history there and, and the, just the nature of our rivalry. Um, you know, South Alabama last year, I mean, shoot, they, they missed a chip shot field goal. Um, so, you know, you, you look at it and you have to say this is a pretty good division and it's one that you better show up every week. And, you know, our kids, I believe, recognize that. Um, and it's something that, you know, we certainly as coaches talk about every week, you know. It's not about the opponent. It's about yourself. It's about playing really good football that you're proud of. Who's the biggest jokester out of these two? The biggest jokester out of the two? Got to be probably little dog Chris Smith over there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a tit-for-tat deal. I mean, you just saw Dre dancing out there in the in the, in the in the lobby. So, yeah. Oh, there he goes. Yeah, he goes. yeah, he's he's back on it. So, you know, we got a lot of characters on this team. It's part of what makes it such a special group. Absolutely. We work hard, but we shoot. We have a lot of fun. Coach, really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Louisiana head football coach Michael Desermo. The Cajuns open their season at home on September 3rd against southeastern Louisiana. We'll take a timeout right here. When we return, Chris Smith and Andre Jones will join us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time for us to head back down to the Big Easy for more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage. Presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, James Mesh back in Lafayette pushing all the buttons. I am joined by Raging Cajun starting running back, Mr. Chris Smith, a.k.a. Smizzy13. What's up, brother? Yes, sir. How you, man? I'm doing I'm good, good, man. I'm good. 855 yards last year, leading rusher for this program, 13-1, and nation's longest active winning streak. I can go on and on. All right. What's the expectation for this year? It's it's a bit, do, do the repeat, you know we're here we're ready we're ready to compete. But at the end of the day, the goal is to win the Sun Belt Championship each and every year, and that's what we're here for. 
Talk about the running back room, you know, beside you, Kendrell Williams, Terrence Williams. You know, you got a couple other guys coming in. Talk about this group and how effective they can be. See, y'all y'all name those two, uh, those young freshmen that are coming in, but you forget about the uh, Jacob Cabote, the Michael Orford that we got that y'all have not seen them play because they've been stars on special teams, but now they're getting their chance with the new coaches that have to show, like, this, this is their chance. I mean, it might not overplay Imani, replace Imani in Montreal, but they brought to the table, but every running back is different. So with this new offense that we're going to run, everybody have their chance to do whatever they're capable of doing. Fairly unknown offensive line, you know, replacing four starters from a year ago. How have those guys been working this offseason to get guys like you ready to roll? I mean, you know these guys, but you don't know them by the name, you just know them by the jersey because I'm sure you know Carlos Rubio, yeah. David Hudson. Absolutely. You've seen Nathaniel uh, Thompson play. Like, those guys have played, but the guys in front of them have been, been better or they've been out because of injury. But those guys, they, they, they're going to be a dominant O-line. Chat with Rage Cage's running back Chris Smith here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, quarterback position, Levi Lewis was a three-year starter, an all-time great in this Cajuns program. But obviously, you know, you can't have him forever. Now you're down to, to Chandler Fields and, and Ben Woolridge. You know, what what do you like about each guy? And, you know, just talk about the quarterback situation. All right. What they both bring to the table. You go, uh, oh, with Ben, Ben Woolwich, you can get more of a leadership guy, more of a vocal guy that's going to that's gonna get on to you, that's going to ask you why you're not doing this. You need to be doing this. You can come watch film, help the guys, learn, young guys learn the plays, learn the system more. Which he, and also he's going to give you the work that he does on the field. Like he, He's a great pass, uh, pocket pass. He's a great – he showed us that he can use his legs in the spring because quarterbacks were live in the spring and he did his thing in the spring. But with Chandler, you're going to get that precision pass that's going to – give the receiver the chance to go up and get the ball at the highest point. He's going to place the ball in a, in a great spot. But So both of the guys are great passers, but at the end of the day, it's going to be like, who's going to step up and lead this team? Talk to me about your new head coach, Michael Desermo. What does he do well for you guys, and what do you guys love most about him? Still, what Coach does, he's given us a chance that we all need. Like, like I said, with Coach Nate Foundation, what he had, he wants the guys to be perfect for his system. So he had all players for different each personnel, but – for us, he's expanded it, so he's been more of a players guy. You know what I mean? Like getting players back in open field tackle, getting players with one-on-one -on -one opportunities with uh, corners and free safety. So, well, he's been he's been more of a players guy, letting the players lead this team, and I think it's gonna help us out a lot. All right, Andre Jones. What what do you what are your thoughts on Dre? Now I've been practicing since Dre, like against them since I came here in 2018. So you know I was on the uh, scout team. And a scout team probably against the one and two defense every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, every day. So I believe me going hard as I could, being the best as I could, just having a great time competing with those defense players made them even better. And them not showing no mercy towards me has definitely been a significant part about where I'm at now, especially we run outside zone. You know, we run that play a lot. And Dre's on the edge every time. He he. Swipe a block, man. He's there. What you gonna? You gotta run through him, or you gotta make a miss. Absolutely, Chris Smith. Really appreciate you taking the time, man. Yes, sir. Good luck this season. Thank you. Dre, get in here. All right, man. What's up, bit dog? So first, I gotta ask you, the Gucci shoes. Yes. What what what's up with that? Oh, that was a uh, that was a birthday present. Is that what is that what they called the drip? That's a little drip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not right. too much drip, but you know, some drip. You know, I kept just keep it classy. 
All right, man. You know? So, you know, you're coming back as one of the leaders of this defense. You know, how important is it for you to be in that role and, and kind of be the guy that the young guys are looking up to? Uh, it's important because, like, like everything I do, I have to watch what I do. Like, watch how I say things, watch how, how I do things. I always got to do it. Like, that's all, I always want to do things the right way. But I'm more detailed with it now because I have more people watching. Even the younger guys, younger guys come up to me, ask me questions how to do this or how to get better with this or watch a film together and stuff like that. And then me telling them like, yeah, we need to, we need to watch film today. We need to break this down. Make sure we all on the same page. So like, we won't have to get corrected by this because I want, I be wanting us to be the best. Like you know, and like I'm looking at it now like it's my last year going in, and so. I know I have a good chance to make it to the NFL, but like at the same time, I want to leave my legacy. Like so, when, I'm, when, I, when I leave this position, it's gonna be like a, a domino effect, yep. you know. And like I want to, like I want to have some like show for like yeah, I helped coach them up to get on the right path, you know. And I think that like you want to call yourself a leader, but you gotta bring the ones under you up too. You know, looking at looking at your defensive coordinator, Lamar Morgan, you were here when he was first on the staff with, with mm -hmm. Coach Napier. Now Coach Dez brings him back as the defensive coordinator. That previous relationship, how how nice was it to know that a familiar face was back in the locker room? It's um, it make it it make it easy to trust the person. You know, like somebody you seen, somebody you know, and you know them like that. It make it easy to trust somebody. Then you know, somebody come in, and then they go to teaching things, and you don't. You know, you just you know, it's it's normal. Like if somebody new come in, you don't really know about that. But like it's been a person that been here. Like okay, yeah, I, feel, I see what you're saying, coach, and you can buy in easier with that. What's it mean for you to be a guy that that they can trust in multiple positions, whether it's edge rusher, outside linebacker? You know, uh, sometimes you're you play as an interior defensive yeah, lineman. Yeah. You know, yeah, jack sorry, of all trades, if you will. What does that mean to you? Uh, what they, I like I like it because like. It means so much to me. Like they can count on me, you know. You know, like they got, they got, they have a lot of trust in me. Like he can go out there and get it done. And I feel like I'm like that, like that little, that little big brother. Like you can trust. Like you can call on. And like I feel like that's like that's worth a lot. The game you're looking forward to the most on the schedule. The first game. Yep. The first game. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. That, that's a good answer. <laughs> and last, last question, and it's another fashion question. <laughs> Who picked out Chris's pants? His girlfriend and his sister. Yes. Put it okay. Together. Put it together. His whole wardrobe. So his girlfriend picked out yeah. the plaid pants. Yeah. Gotcha. You know he'd be looking like Alvin Kamara sometimes. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Running back Chris Smith and outside linebacker Andre Jones joining us here. Dre, appreciate you taking the time, man. Good right. luck this season. I appreciate y'all. We'll take one more timeout here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. As a reminder, the game 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout when we come back. James finally gets his moment to speak. 
here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Just because we're in New Orleans doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. Call the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It is 434 here on your Wednesday afternoon. Matt Miguez here. James Mesh back in Acadiana. Let's bring him in now, producer extraordinaire. Bud, what's up? Surprised you wanted to talk to me today. Hey, man. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Pulling a Jordy Holberg on me with with all these guests. Hey, you know when? Which I don't when, blame you. If you can get the big time guys, get them. I'm well, just saying. Not only not only that, but when you're Matt Miguez, oh, people want to talk to you. When you're Mister Big Time, yeah, people you don't have time to, to answer to text you. messages. I don't have time to answer text messages because I'm a busy man, James. People want to talk to me. I'm important. That is a thing. In your head. In my head, right, yeah. So, you know, I'm an important person. People wanted to talk to me, and so I'm sorry that I had to leave you out in the cold. I mean, it's it was, it's been good stuff so far. Good stuff oh, from it, Coach Des. Really liked it, and then we got really good stuff as well from Chris Smith and Andre Jones. Dude, they're both characters. They have been cracking up all day. Is that what yeah. we call the drip? <laughs> you like that, huh? Uh, you formulated that that question so poorly. <laughs> I did. I, I did. was like, "No, Matt, why?" I, oh. I did, but but I really just did that whole thing as just to you know to poke fun and to kind of goof off a little bit. And it was fun. It was good. Um, but no, man, Andre's wearing a, a white shirt with a black bow tie, and then he's got some black Gucci shoes. With like the red and green stripes over the top, which I I love that. And then Chris, God, Chris, was rocking a camel colored jacket with a white shirt, no tie. And then he had you couldn't see him on the broadcast, but he had some like red plaid pants. And you know I love Chris Smith, and to each his own, right? That was a bad fashion choice. I was gonna say I don't think the red, the camo top, with the red pants. Yeah, that I was a. I don't think that that goes well, and I'm not a huge fashion guy. That was that was a bad that was a bad fashion choice. But I, whenever y'all were talking with Chris, I mean, I, I've said this before. Chris reminds me a lot of Camara on the field. Oh yeah, the same. Very. They have this. They have very similar run styles. The way they run down the field. And then you also have the turf tape on the back of the arms. I'm like, man. Yep. Very, very similar players. Um, very similar mentalities, too, like off the field. they Watching interviews of Alvin Kamara and then talking to Chris Smith, I mean, they, they're pretty much the same person, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, really impressed by what Louisiana had to say today, talking with Coach Dez, talking with the players, you know, 
there's a lot of question marks on this program like we've talked about, but at the same time, they seem confident in this group, which that's the most important thing, right, is that they're confident in their own abilities to go out on the field and compete. So, you know, I'm looking for a lot out of the Cajuns. I don't think it's going to be a 12 and 1 kind of year. Uh, but you know, 9 and 3, 8 and 4 definitely not out the question. Especially especially with all the new competition that's coming in. Yeah. Four four new teams in in Sunbelt. Oh man. Marshall, you got Old Dominion who ended last season on a great note. They started 1 and 6 last year. And then they won their last five straight to make a bowl game. So they ended last season high. You've got James Madison, who made it to the FCS semifinals last year. And here's the other thing that people aren't talking about with James Madison. Dude, if you look at their athletic budget, it is bigger than three-fourths of the schools in the Sun Belt combined. So we could see them catching up when it comes. Oh, we, we could see them catching up pretty quick. They're going to make this transition into FBS very similarly to what App State did when they came into FBS from, from the FCS level. App State transitioned pretty seamlessly, and uh, I, I could see the same coming out of the Dukes in James Madison. Um, and, man, Kirk Signetti, their head coach, he is uh, he's an interesting, interesting character. Um he said yesterday on the podium, he said, we're going to win this conference. It's just a matter of when. He said, there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to win the Sun Belt. I just can't tell you when it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking at JMU's athletic budget, dude, their athletic budget is $60 million. That's $20 million more than the Cajuns. Oh, my God. And the Cajuns are doing well for themselves. JMAD's in Virginia, right? Correct. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, and that's a that's a lot of geographical coverage when it comes to Sunbelt. $58 million dollars last year was their athletic budget. That's insane for the Sunbelt. That, that's insane for the FCS. They had to be one of the richest programs in the FCS. I mean, that's just insane numbers. Um, so I can see James Madison competing pretty early on. Southern Miss... They've got Will Hall at head coach. He's doing things the right way. I think they're on the right track to building something special. And here's the other thing that's great about Southern Miss. You know, people tend to forget that the Cajuns and Southern Miss used to have a football rivalry. They have a baseball rivalry already. Them coming not only into the Sun Belt, but into the Sun Belt West, where the Cajuns are going to play them yearly, is huge. It's a regional rivalry. Hattiesburg is only a three-and-a-half-hour drive from Lafayette. I mean, that is just absolutely huge for the Cajuns to create another regional rivalry in this conference. We'll talk plenty more Sunbelt Media Days in hour number two quickly before we have to take another timeout update from Oakland. The Oakland A's lead the Houston Astros 4-2 to two in the bottom of the seventh. Will the Astros get swept? James? After sweeping Seattle, oh my gosh. Why does this always happen to teams that I root for? I mean, here's the thing. You, it, it's, it's been such a weird baseball season because, you know, 
the Yankees can't beat the Astros, right? For the longest time, the Astros couldn't beat the Mariners, but now it seems like they may have figured them out. Now the Astros can't beat the Oakland A's. And it's when the Oakland A's are supposedly trying to tank. Oh, the Oakland A's are terrible. They're 37-63 and 63 in their first 100 games. That's horrible. I, I don't get it. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I know that today was, or, or was it yesterday, was an off day. No, it's today. It was an off day for both Guriel and Altuve. So that could have something to do with it. No, sorry, that was yesterday. Altuve and Guriel both in the lineup today. You know, again, it's weird, right? But that's the glorious thing about baseball being 162 games. One three-game sweep by the Oakland A's won't break you. No, but it does not look good on the record. Oh, no. It's, it's, not, it's not a great look. No. no. Um, and, and I'm sure there are some Yankees fans you know, absolutely ribbing the Astros for, uh, for dropping that one. But yet they lost to the Mets last night. No knock to the Mets. The Mets are one of the top teams in baseball, but that's one of those rivalries for the Yankees that you don't lose. You don't lose to the Mets. Um, so that that's interesting. It's going to be a great last 60-day stretch for MLB baseball. Again, want to thank our sponsors for helping us get here to New Orleans to cover Sunbelt Media Days. Next Home, Cutting Edge Realty. They will start you on your path to owning your next home. And the Wetlands, Lafayette's public, premier public golf course. Also, the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com. 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. Once you join our rewards club, you can win excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so sign up today. We'll take a time out when we return. Kane Womack, the head coach of South Alabama, will join us to close out hour number one and then a super stacked hour number two. You're listening to Crunch Time with me as a mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to know what went down today in New Orleans at Sunbelt Media Days? Not to worry. The game has you covered. Back to more of the game's Sunbelt Media Days coverage. Presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here coming to you live from Sunbelt Media Days in New Orleans, being joined by Sunbelt South Alabama head coach Kane Womack. Coach, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Yeah, good to be on with you. So let's look at year one for you last year, five and seven. A lot of things, you know, to take back to the drawing board and work on. What's this offseason been like, you know, with a full? Yeah, you know, um, certainly uh, uh, for for us as a program, five and seven is not not where we want to be. Although we are not a, uh, you know, we, we don't really set team goals at the beginning of the season, uh, some bell championship, bowl game, this and that. Certainly, those are things that you know when we put your head on a pillow, you dream about and have expectations for. Um, but we try to stay focused on our process. And if you look at last season, you know. Um, we had multiple games that that uh, did not go in our favor at the end 
that really we probably were in position uh, to win and, and probably had an opportunity against the best teams in our league. You know, you think about Louisiana, for example, right, um, and missing a field goal with, with about 40 seconds left to go, 18 to 20 ball game, double overtime against Coastal Carolina, and the list goes on and on. We need to keep narrowing the margin of error uh, for our program so that when we do get to those moments, operating with more consistency from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. And then also there has to be an expectation to be in those moments and an expectation to win in those moments. And I think that has probably been the difference between us a year ago and a team like Louisiana and a team like Coastal Carolina. Eight starters returning on both sides of the ball. How critical is that for, for you guys, you know, to like, once again build on the, the positive things from last year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, continuity is a huge piece of, of what you are looking for, both in your coaching staff and, and uh, with players on the field. You also, right, the transfer portal um, and, and high school recruiting gives you a, a dynamic to be able to improve your roster, uh, particularly with, with those transfers, uh, faster than a typical, um, you know, um, head coach would in, in year one and two of, of a program. Uh, and so we're utilizing those things. I think that we uh, do have a number of players that are coming back. Uh, however, a year ago, we probably lacked depth. Uh, and we also had some players on the field that, you know, maybe uh, uh, didn't need to be where uh, on the field that many reps or, or, or maybe exposed us in certain areas that, uh, that we're improving because those players know what to do at a much higher level going into year two. So I think those are the exciting things um, as, you, as you look at the pieces of the puzzle to build program looking at the offensive side of the ball carter bradley jr is a transfer you guys brought in from toledo you also have desmond trotter but the key piece of this offense is jalen wayne a guy who i feel like just doesn't want to leave south alabama <laughs> uh talk about jalen and what he does well as a leader of this offense well you know jalen um has always been uh, probably the most dynamic uh athlete um you know, out there on the field, wherever uh, we play and wherever we go. He's really, um, it's been fun for me to watch his growth both on and off the field as a player, as a young man, um, ha has his degree in hand now, and, uh, and has really uh, set himself up uh, in position when Jalen Tolbert walks out the door um, to, to be uh, in our offense. Alongside some some a really great supporting cast of young wide receivers, and then you know we're very fortunate at the tight end position to have some very dynamic weapons with Lincoln Sefcik, who had 44 catches last season, and from the tight end position, and then DJ Thomas, who is a very dynamic athlete, uh, that we're going to be able to do some things with those guys as well. So Jalen is a huge piece to that cog, but also uh, has a pretty great supporting cast. Defensively, Daryl Luther Jr. is a guy that you brought with you guys today. You know, again, kind of a leader of this defense. Talk about your defensive lineup. Yeah, you know, from a defensive perspective, we, we, we did some really good things uh, last year. Um, in particular, the, the amount of takeaways that we were able to create. You know, we went from, I think, uh, 122nd in the country in takeaways to 6th in the country at the end of the regular season. Really uh, tremendous there. You don't do that without some dynamic, instinctive players on the back end like uh, like Darrell Luter, like Keith Gallman, who are both all Sunbelt players and, and have all American acc accolades as well. Um, it starts up front with our defensive line. We are very uh, deep at that position. We are very talented at those positions up front. I think we've significantly improved our roster in the linebacking core. 
some 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 guys that uh, that are now healthy that were on our roster last year, and then also we've got a couple of transfers, one of which being James Miller, who was a linebacker for me at Indiana University, so he knows our system, understands our scheme. Um, and then you're looking at those guys on the back end. We have a chance to be um, uh, pretty salty for the next couple of years here on defense, and, and, and certainly those guys on the back end are a huge piece of it. Chatting with Kane Womack, the head coach of South Alabama, you know, you talked about that back end. One of those guys is Keith Gallman. You know, he's been around this program for a while. You know, what guys like him, guys like Daryl Luter, what do they bring from a leadership perspective to this team? Yeah, uh, you know, so much of my job in year one has been uh, casting vision for our program, setting expectations, reinforcing those expectations with accountability day in and day out. When you start to see young men like Keith Gallman and Drell Luter that are now in the expectation, they recognize the standard, they, they have a culture to uphold both in the locker room and on the field and, and elsewhere, to see those guys starting to take shape of that that servant leadership mentality uh, that, that we try to embody every day has been really rewarding for me as the head coach, but it's also necessary for our success. When your best players are also your best advocates uh, for the culture that you're trying to set day in and day out, that really puts you in a great position. You know, Coach, in, in today's day of NIL and recruiting and conference realignment, new stadium in South Alabama, Hancock-Whitney Stadium, you know, talk about how you can use that state-of-the-art facility as a recruiting tool to say, you know, hey, you get to play in a stadium like this every weekend. Yeah, you know, um, we're such a young program, right? And and the young men that started off that program had had uh, had nothing uh, on campus really to right. show for. It. Didn't have a field house, a stadium, an indoor practice fields. None of those things were there, right? And slow but sure, um, and and probably exponentially so in the last. Uh, three years, we now have all of these great resources and facilities. Um, I think it's a credit to the city of Mobile, the university itself, who wants to be great at football and is willing to put the investment into it. And certainly that's going to have an impact um, from a recruiting standpoint. Mobile's an already an awesome town. It's a great recruiting footprint that we have. Um, but to be able to showcase the facilities and resources that have been invested into our football program is a tremendous tool chatting with South Alabama head coach Kane Womack. Looking at the schedule, you open up with Nichols, a feisty FCS group with a great quarterback in Lindsey Scott Jr. Central UCLA, especially let's take a moment and look at that UCLA game. What's it going to be like, head coach, to, to bring your kids that may not have had the opportunity to ever play in an environment like that? Yeah, you know, I think for, uh, for me personally, it's kind of a neat uh, opportunity. My first ever travel game, uh, at the University of Arkansas was at USC in the Coliseum, right? And so to go to Los Angeles, uh, we went two days early to kind of acclimate that situation, um, weather, time, all yep. those different things, right? But also, you know, for, for a lot of myself and a lot of my teammates, that was the first time we had ever seen the Pacific Ocean. That had ever t uh, that was the only time that, that, you know, we've ever been to uh, Beverly Hills, right, or, or seen the Coliseum itself. To go to the Rose Bowl, um, and get to see that and, and to get to experience that. Certainly there's a game to be won and an opportunity for us to create for ourselves, uh, but we can also enjoy and appreciate uh, the, the opportunity that college football and that game in particular uh, has, has afforded us. Looking at this conference, you know, you open up conference at Louisiana, ULM, Troy, Arkansas State, Georgia Southern. You even get to play newcomer Old Dominion. You know, looking at your conference schedule, what 
what's kind of the goal or maybe the expectation in Mobile for this program? You know, um, again, I mean, I, 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 we want to we want to compete at the highest level, right? We want to become a championship program and all those things. But those are not our team goals. That's not what we put up there. Um, we have an opportunity to be year in and year out one of the most talented teams in our league. Uh, we have great resources, great recruiting footprint, all the things that we need to build a championship program. What we have to focus on is the relentless detail that it takes to become a consistently operating efficient team. And whether it's offensively, defensively, special teams, you know, I, I'm not the offensive, defensive coordinator, special team. I'm the detail coordinator. That's my job. I, 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 my job is to hold us accountable to the details of accomplishing that vision and to narrow the margin for error so that we're operating in a tight enough margin, regardless of success, regardless of adversities that may come up, that we can do the same high-level job over and over again. And if we do those things, the outcome really will take care of itself. Kane Womack, the head coach of the South Alabama Jaguars, joining us here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. They opened their season on September 3rd against the Colonels of Nichols State. Coach, really appreciate you taking the season. Absolutely. Enjoyed talking with you. There he goes. Kane Womack of the Jags. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, just a stack. We'll bring it all to you right here live from New Orleans. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, live from the Hotel Sheraton in New Orleans. Here is your special Sunbelt Media Days edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Hour number two, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming to you live from the Sheraton Hotel, downtown New Orleans. Day two of Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Sunbelt West on the docket today, which of course includes your defending champion, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Talk to Michael Desermo, Chris Smith, and Andre Jones in the first hour. Let's start hour number two off with a bang. First year head coach of the Troy Trojans, Mr. John Summerall. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? I'm great, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. So let, let's walk through this. You know, you, you've been around the block of college football. This is your second stint at Troy. Obviously the biggest difference being that now you're the head football coach. Yeah. But what's different about the Troy program from when you first left it to now? Yeah, uh, well, you still, um, we didn't have our north end zone building, which is a really first-class uh, setup. So we were operating at that time on a Tyne Davis field house that, uh, that really um, was a little bit from a – uh, modern technology standpoint, maybe a little bit out of date compared to some of the newer facilities you've seen throughout the country. And so facility upgrades have been real. Um, and then uh, I think conference realignment is really uh, a big change for Troy in regards to what the Sunbelt looks like. And now we're, we were in the east, now we're in the west, and then the, the additional teams. And so there's quite a bit of difference, you know, in regards to Troy itself. Um, the, the, the roster is really, I think, in a, in a better spot, I think, than people recognize. Um, and uh, and so we're good there. And then the greatest thing about Troy is just the place and the people love football. You know, it's it's the state of Alabama, and, and Troy has always been a uh, historically a successful football school, and so there's a lot of pride in the football program, and that definitely has not changed. So, you know, like I said, you spent time at two SEC programs Ole Miss, and then most recently you were the defensive coordinator at Kentucky. 
what did you take away from those experiences to that you kind of implement now at Troy? Yeah, um, at Ole Miss, I worked for Matt Luke, really good football coach, great man. Um, and really, we dealt with some some probation cut, yeah. scholar reduced scholarships that made a lot of things um, challenging. And I think it made us roster wise be unique in how we built our roster. I think a lot of the success that you've seen Ole Miss have since Matt left, a lot of that's uh, credit to Matt because like Matt Corral and some of those kids that were there were recruited by Matt Luke. Um, but really just trying to overcome some adversity and obstacles through that program. And then at, uh, at Kentucky, I learned a ton from Mark Stoops. You know, Mark, the year before he got to Kentucky, um, Kentucky was 2-10, and 10, and they lost to Vanderbilt at home 40-7 to 7 that year, the year before he got there. Well, now you look at Kentucky, and they've had 10 wins twice in the last four seasons. They've preseason predicted to finish second in the SEC East, I think. Uh, and he's really gradually and just kind of very steadily built that program into what it is. It was no overnight fast fix. So I think learning from Mark was, you know, know who you are, be true to your core values and your standards. Don't waver, have a plan, work the plan, adapt and change when necessary, but be consistent and don't, don't be a, um, I talk a lot about being climate driven versus culture driven climate can change really really fast the weather changes real quickly right culture doesn't change it's steadfast and it's unwavering so be a culture driven leader a transformational leader as opposed to a climate leader and also that defense at kentucky yeah right (laughs) yeah we've had some good defenses and uh you know obviously coaches sometimes we get a lot of credit and a lot of blame we had some really good players i mean i think you look at the number of first and second round draft picks we've had over the last few years from there uh, and then I think uh, after the 2020 season, I believe we had six defensive guys get drafted. So a lot of quality players that played the game at a high level. Um, and really, uh, I, I feel a lot of similarities to our Troy roster in regards to the guys' hunger and passion and commitment to the game on defense and really being eager to learn and study and, and continue to get better at their craft. Now talk about your new coaching staff at Troy and, and just you and you know what they bring to the program collectively. Well, we wanted to make sure we hired um, knowledgeable, high football IQ guys first and foremost. But then secondarily, I wanted to make sure that we hired really quality people and good men. Uh, Our offensive coordinator is Joe Craddock. Joe was the youngest offensive coordinator in America at SMU for Chad Morris. They went from 118th in the country to 8th in the country on offense in three years. So Joe's been through some battles. Joe went to Arkansas for a couple years, and it didn't finish the way they wanted it to. They won games and got the plug pulled. So Joe's been through the good and the bad right and he was at uh, Clemson as an analyst uh, when they sort of got that program rolling there with Dabo Sweeney and so Joe's got a lot of experience Sheil Wood our defensive coordinator was an army last as the co-DC I've known Sheil for a while just really more so through um, never worked with him but clinic experiences where uh, he and I would be at the same meetings and shared a lot of ideas and I've always thought he was a very detailed um coach and really like what he does schematically it's similar to what we did at Kentucky in some regards and then um, some other guys I think of note you know uh, we hired Brock Hayes who's a former high school coach in New Orleans uh, to be our running backs coach we hired Cole Popovich to be our offensive line coach Cole's last job he was with the Patriots for seven years the last couple of those years being the O-line coach for the New England Patriots so to have someone someone with his experience and expertise is very very unique and uh, and we're grateful to have Cole with us. 
Carlton Marshall, Javon Solomon, two guys that are kind of, you know, the cornerstones of your defense. Talk about each of them and not only, you know, what they can do on the field because everybody sees that. Who are those guys off the field? You know, Carlton, uh, I, I spoke at the podium in the main stage earlier. Carlton, um, not only a great player, but a great person. Um, I've got a nine-year-old son named Sam, and our athletics director, Brent Jones, is a nine-year-old son named Jackson. Carlton's is likely to show up at uh, Sam or Jackson's rec league games uh, as me or Brent are. Like, he's, he's very liable to show up and support our, our kids in, in such a special um, way and a unique kid in regards to how he invests in the lives of others. And then Javon Solomon, um, you know, I think Javon's clearly a very productive, talented player. But what I don't think he gets enough of a recognition for is how hard of a worker he is. Like, people think he's just some great player. Javon Solomon does more prep work in the weight room than anybody I've ever been around. I mean, we're on his own, whether it be mobility or flexibility. And he's in a very engaging young man, has a big, bright smile, a lively personality, um, a very sharp kid that's a fun, fun guy to be around, a fun guy to coach. Gunnar Watson, back yeah. under center for your first year. You know, how does he drive that offense? And what kind of guy is he, all, again, off the field, in the meeting room? Yeah, Gunner has really grown as much as anybody within our program over the last uh, six, seven months. You know, we got there in January. And to be totally honest, um, I had a couple of very blunt meetings with Gunner about, um, you know, we didn't bring a transfer quarterback in at the mid-year. And I said, I did that strategically to give our guys a chance to, to really learn the offense that we're already on the roster. And, um, and there was a couple of things I was displeased with early on with him in regards to how he handled some things. And then uh, since then, he's really turned it up a notch and committed himself to being the best he can be at his craft. Uh, we brought in a transfer that I think maybe uh, turned up the heat a little bit in regards to preparation being needing to be on point. Gunner, when I got there, um, I, I've told the story multiple times, was a little bit of maybe a soft-bodied kid that looked like he hadn't seen the weight room very much. And when I got there, he would he could maybe do a pull-up or two in the weight room, which the bad news about that is I can do a pull-up or two. Right. Um, a few weeks ago, I'm in the weight room, and Gunner was in there cranking out pull-ups with chains around his neck, and he's attacking the weight room. And so to see him commit himself to his self-improvement uh, has been really encouraging and excited to watch him continue to grow and develop along with the other quarterbacks we have in that room. John Summerall, head coach of the Troy Chodens, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Another key piece of this offense is in the backfield, Kamani Vidal. I mean, what makes him so special, and what does he do prep-wise to be as explosive as he is on the field? Well, Kamani's the first guy I saw when I got hired working out on the field by himself one day. Um, and uh, very, very strong in the weight room, but is equally athletic and fast and explosive on the grass. He is a, very, he's a little bit shorter, lower center gravity build, um, very powerful, strong, like I said, in the weight room. But his, his top end speed is through the roof. His his ability to get there fast from an acceleration standpoint is really, really good. And I think the other things about um, that make um, Kamani unique are a lot like Carlton. He he just goes about his work. He does, he's unassuming. He doesn't want a whole lot of attention or accolade. He just consistently puts in the work to be his best every day. And um, the kind of kind of guy that makes coaching fun. Your first year in the Sun Belt as head coach. What are you expecting out of the conference from a competition standpoint? Well, I think the West, um, which is the side we're on now, I think is a very interesting kind of open league. You know, obviously Lafayette has been 
the dominant team the last several years on the western side. Um, I think they've got a lot of good things coming back, and I think Dez is doing a great job with what they're doing roster-wise and what they're going to what they're going to do schematically. Um, but they probably aren't maybe uh, as proven in some positions as they've been, and so they'll they'll have they'll still have plenty of rare. They, they've got a lot of unknowns, maybe more than they've had the last few years. And then I think some of the other teams in the West have really grown and developed. Uh, South Alabama, I think, has gotten better. I think Southern Miss is on the right track doing some good things. Arch State, Texas State. I think I think Texas State doesn't get enough credit, you know, because everybody wants to. We live in a microwave society. Everybody wants to see two wins turn into tw- ten wins, where Jake's just kind of made a steady climb and improved that roster. And when I watch him on tape, I think I see a little bit better team maybe than a lot of people recognize. Looking at the schedule for this year, week one, Ole Miss, you know, a program that you spent time at, like you said, under Matt Luke. What does it mean for you to start your head coaching tenure with Troy at a place like Ole Miss? Yeah, uh, throw you right in the middle of the, the feeding den, right? Um, no, getting to play in the SEC environment is exciting for our coaches and players. Ole Miss will be a top 25 team. They've got a lot of, they, you know, they've had a lot of guys leave the NFL on offense, but they replaced them with a lot of really quality high-level transfers. And so I think, um, it's, if anything, it's heightened our sense of urgency in regards to preparation this summer because our guys know they're getting ready to play a big-time opponent. And if we don't, if we don't come in really prepared and ready to go, you'll get, you'll get exposed against a team like that. So really great opportunity for our kids to go out and display their toughness and grit and their level of want to in regards to competition. Talked about Ole Miss. Also further down the map, Marshall, Louisiana, you even make a trip to Army. You know what do you what are you expecting from this team in 2022? Yeah, I think we got a great a great schedule, a really challenging schedule. You look at you just named Ole Miss won 10 games. App has been on a roll for a while. We got Lafayette who's been on a roll for a while. Marshall had a winning record and played in a bowl game last year. Western Kentucky and Army both won nine games. Um, we've got a really quality high level schedule. Um, I thought crossover wise, when we got App and Marshall, we probably drew what I would consider likely the toughest. Uh, other side that you could from the east and so excited to play that schedule I think um, it's a lot easier to get your team ready to play a game when they know the the opponent they're getting ready to line up across from is really really good and and so it doesn't take a whole lot of motivation to get prepared the Trojans of Troy opened their season on September 3rd at bought Hemingway Stadium in Oxford coach John Summerall really appreciate you taking the time best of luck this season thank you guys appreciate y'all there he goes head coach John Summerall want to thank this opportunity to thank our sponsors next home see they'll start you on your path to owning your next home as well as the wetlands lafayette's premier public golf course we'll take a time out right here we'll bring you more from sunbelt media days here on crunch time with miguez and mesh you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time for us to head back down to the Big Easy for more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage. Presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the 7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming from Sunbelt Media Days in New Orleans. Day two, meeting with coaches from the SEC West, Sunbelt West. I can't talk today. And I am thrilled to be joined by Arkansas State head coach 
Mr. Butch Jones, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Well, great. Thanks for having me. And I've been kind of, I almost had that slip up a couple times today, too, when I talked about Sunbelt Media Day, SEC Media Day. It, so understand. It's weird. I've said Sunbelt all week. No problem. Talking about LSU getting on getting on the air right now that's what got you going down the sec that's probably what it was all right coach you spent a lot of time at a a couple different programs including head coach at central michigan cincinnati tennessee and now you're in your second season at arkansas state talk about you know year two for for the red wolves and how you can build on on what you learned in year one right well it's got to be all about continued growth and development in year one was very challenging obviously as we all know on the field but so many things we learned and and the thing about it is i know exactly where we came from as a program what we're building where we need to go and kind of continue to build the roster so uh, we have to make sure now that what we experienced last year we can grow upon and be better because of those past experiences you know looking at your tenure again cincinnati tennessee even central coached some big name guys alvin Kamara, travis kelsey antonio brown you know using that almost as a recruiting tool you know how how has that helped you having that having that kind of resume well i do think that again you know past history always helps and uh so you know we've always taken great pride in developing our players and creating value for our players and everything they do not just you know in a career of football but preparing them for their other careers when football's over with but to be able to have those resources and be able to have those individuals continue to grow and obviously do well in the greatest stage of all in the national football league helps uh, but i think it's been a great resource for our current team as well you know whether it's zooms whether it's in-person meetings or again illustrations and examples of moving forward you know it's just like we go to dinner with our foot with our two uh student athletes uh here in new orleans and mark ingram shows up and so we end up having dinner with mark ingram and he's sitting there and he's talking to him about his collegiate experience his professional experience you know you only worry about the things you can control why would you worry about the things you can't control all those things that's how we try to create value for every player in our football program one more question about your your previous stops before we look ahead to arkansas state what do you take away from those programs you know, learning learning so much in your time in the SEC and at Cincinnati, take and use currently in general. Yeah, well, I think you take bits and pieces for what your program needs, what your team needs. But, you know, again, you're a byproduct of your experiences. And whether it was at Central Michigan and building that team in the Mid-American Conference and we were 22-3 and three in conference play and, you know, the affinity that we built with our players towards Central Michigan, the mentality that we had that we felt we were the best football program in the state of Michigan. And then you go to Cincinnati, two Big East championships, all those great players, more of a city school environment. So that, then you go to Tennessee and in the, the, the two nine-win seasons, the three-time bowl champions, you know, all the things that we were able to accomplish at Tennessee as well, you know, you kind of, you're a byproduct of what that team needs and then you know every team you know the circumstances are different you look at our you know the three years at Alabama there's some things that we could take from there too so you try to take your experiences from really the four different places and apply it for what your team needs at Arkansas State there's a coach on your staff that that we are very familiar (laughs) with at Louisiana in uh in Marquise Lovings 
What's it been like to work with him on a daily basis, and what does he provide your staff? Well, he provides our staff with a lot, and that's why he's the associate head coach. Uh, he brings stability. He brings energy and enthusiasm every day. Uh, he brings a, a calmness, a confidence, very cerebral uh, ability to relate to the players, uh, in knowledge of the Sun Belt as well. So Marquise brings a lot to the table. Let's look at your your offense now and we'll start with the backfield marcel murray johnny lang the, the two key pieces of the backfield and then you also brought in an ohio state transfer and brian sneed what do you see coming from that backfield group well i think when you look at us from a backfield standpoint it's probably the most uh competitive position we have on our football team and probably the most depth and as we all know you can never have enough running backs but i think they all bring a different skill set which when you're looking at a running back core that's what you want um, Johnny Lang's a, a young man who played a lot of football for us last year uh, a transfer portal individual from Iowa State but he has transformed his body he's had as good of an offseason as anybody in our program so again I'm excited then you know we've also added another transfer portal individual uh, who is from the state of Arkansas via Purdue Jacquez you know, so Jacquez has done a great job for us as well. He was here in the spring. Um, so, again, just having that durability aspect for the running back position. Um, you know, Jacquez is an individual. Jacquez Cross. Jacquez can go in the slot. He can do some different things. He can provide some mismatches for us in the passing game. So when you look at all those individuals that you mentioned, um, you know, they provide some stability and some depth to that group. Arkansas State head coach Butch Jones here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Let's look at the quarterback. James Blackman, such a special talent at quarterback coming in from Florida State, second year with you in Jonesboro. What has he done in particular to really take this offense yeah. to the next level? Well, that's a great question, and I think the first illustration that I can give you is He's transformed his body. He's put 12 pounds of muscle mass on. Uh, he's really committed to being the best version of himself, the way he eats, his diet, the way he works. He's really stepped up in a leader. I think he learned a lot from last year of being injured. Um, and I think, you know, we always talk to our quarterbacks about being a CEO quarterback. Do you own the team? And we've seen that this offseason. Uh, you know, he's holding everyone responsible. Uh, you know there's accountability and it starts with himself first and foremost i think a second year from a mental standpoint of, of in our system there's one thing about james black you'd be hard pressed to find anybody in america who's been more involved in the different offensive systems than him he's been involved in just about every system you can imagine so his football intelligence all that he's played a lot of football in terms of that and i think that's really aided him going into his last year you know, I, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't hit on the conversation that has everybody in the world of college football talking, NIL realignment. You know, where, what are your thoughts on, on the current state of college football and in the Sun Belt in particular, what do you think those four new members sure. bring to the conference? Well, I think when you look at realignment, I think Commissioner Gill has done an outstanding job and very worthy of his contract extension. And, uh, you know, you look at the four institutions, four programs that we've added in the Sun Belt. I think what it's forced the existing members, and, and I'm speaking even from an Arkansas State standpoint, is now everyone needs to up their game. You know, those are four quality programs. They all have national and regional brands. Um, so it's very exciting. I think you can feel that excitement here at Media Days. Um, so I think, 
you know, we've our, our competitive structure from top to bottom, you'd be hard pressed to find uh, a more competitive conference uh, in the country. So I think, you know, commissioner's done a great job there. In terms of name, image, and likeness, you know, it's kind of the way of the world right now, and you have to adapt and adjust. Um, you know, everything in our program that we do at Arkansas State is creating value for the player. Uh, we are very fortunate and blessed to have a number of companies, industries within Jonesboro and in Northeast Arkansas. But, you know, that's something that, you know, I don't see going away. So we have to adapt and adjust to. And I'm all for, um, you know, creating value for the players. But I think, you know, within the world of college football with transfers and all that, it's just we got to make sure that we have some kind of competitive balance that we make sure that, that we don't lose sight of that. Looking at your defense now, Coach, you lose your top three tacklers from a year ago, but the key piece coming back is Kavon Bennett, who, who sat on the podium with you. He's back as kind of the leader of this group around him. Who do you see stepping up? Well, you know, he's from Louisiana. Uh, he was with us at Alabama. He's a safety, Eddie Smith, who came via University of Illinois. He's really stepped up. Uh, he'll be our boundary safety. And, uh, you know, we got to improve our tackling in that position from a year ago. And he's really helped us in the locker room. Uh, he's helped us with our culture. He gets it. He So he's helped. So he's been a great addition for us. Uh, you know, you, you brought up Kavon Bennett. The other linebackers, Jordan Carmouche, who's a, who's a grad transfer individual from the University of Houston. Uh, so he's helped us not only on the field but off the field as well. And we have a number of, of different transfers at the defensive line. And the whole key for us in moving forward with this football team, as we all know, is our offensive and defensive line fronts. You know, all you have to do is look at our, look at our game last year against ULL and, uh, you know, 20 plays, take off over eight minutes of running the football. And, you know, that's something when we talk about the toughness, uh, the ability to sustain all those things, you know, we point towards that game all the time. I have a tremendous amount of respect for that program, for your program, because it defines toughness. Um, there's a reason if you look at the, the teams that are successful in the Sun Belt, they usually have an older, veteran, gritty group in the offensive and defensive fronts. You know, a lot of people overlook special teams, especially place kicking. You know, sometimes that can make or break a game. Talk about what it's been like to replace a guy like Blake Grouping and, and talk to us about Aiden Ellison, yep. the, the redshirt freshman. Well, Aiden is an individual who's out of Illinois and uh, Chicagoland area, and he was in our program last year. And uh, we're excited about him, but we have Tristan Matson who also vied for the job, Dominic Zavedo, who's a true freshman out of Arizona. So we have some competitive depth there, but that's going to be critical because Blake Groupie, I believe, last year was 20 out of 24 with field goals, had a game-winning kick against ULM. So, again, replacing him and his production is going to be critical. But also, you know, the, the kickoffs are critical because everything in football is about starting field position, hidden yardage. So that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Two more for you, Coach. Looking at the schedule, uh, the, the first three weeks are not going to be kind to y'all. You know, you start off with a very talented FCS team in Grambling. You go to Ohio State, which is no doubt going to be an incredible experience. And then you play Memphis. You know, talk about that opening opportunity to have your team, you know, for lack of better words, get thrown into the fire and get challenged early on. Well, you're exactly right. We have to have the ability to start fast. That's something 
and I don't like to keep talking about last year, but you have to learn from those from those failures and those experiences. We were not a fast starting football team last year for some reason. We would wait, we'd get down 14 nothing, and all of a sudden be like, oh, we can play. And so this football team is going to have to learn how to start fast, not only games, but the start of the season. And, and all those three games that you spoke about, challenges, and just like last year, also coupled in there is a three, three away game stretch. So again, your mental toughness, your discipline, your details are going to, going to be needed starting the season. Lastly, Coach, looking at the Sun Belt West in particular, pretty wide open this year. Um, you know, Louisiana's considered the favorite because of winning the conference last year, but it, it's really anybody's guess. What do you see coming from your, your division opponents, and do you believe that your team can contend in this division? I do believe our team can contend, uh, and it's going to be, like you said, how do we manage the natural adversities that a long football season brings about, the schedule, the injuries, the team chemistry, our toughness. But I think, you know, anyone uh, has an opportunity to win, and that's what makes it exciting. But like you said, it all starts with Louisiana. Uh, tremendous amount of respect uh, for the program there. But uh, the exciting thing is everyone has an opportunity, and I think that's what the transfer portal has done is it's brought parity to college football. We're experiencing that in the Sun Belt. I think each year is a new year, year to year, and it gives everyone ample opportunities to have a, a challenge to go to a bowl game but also win division and conference championships. Head coach Butch Arkansas State Red Wolves, they will open their season on September 3rd against Grambling State. Coach, really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck this season. Thank you for your time. There he goes, head coach Butch Jones of the Arkansas State Red Wolves. The game, 137 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. To score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout, bring you more from New Orleans here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. LSU Tigers. Just because we're in New Orleans doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. Call the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh coming to you live from the Hotel Sheraton, downtown New Orleans. Day two of Sunbelt Media Days covering the Sunbelt West today. Heard from Michael Desermo earlier in the show. You heard from Butch Jones as well. A couple other coaches. I am now joined by the head man of the Texas State Bobcats, Mr. Jake Spavadol. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. So... Question number one I have is you're coming into your fourth year in, in San Marcos, and, and the program has improved steadily each year, little by little. You know, how do you continue to, to do that each year, and what's the plan for this season? Yeah, like, you know, we're still not playing up to the standards and expectations that we hold for our players, but I, I do see the improvements. You know, and when I got here in 2019, I, I could only sign 10 guys. 
and it's not very many but like it at least allowed me to go through the entire season to kind of compare to the rest of the conference on what it takes to play at a high level and I, I thought we had to improve the profile of our team and get bigger and get longer and and uh, I think we've done that over the years now of course COVID hit everybody has to work through the the pandemic and where that went through and and uh, that year, I thought was very important because I said I, I knew it didn't count from an eligibility standpoint. I said, let's play, play as many games. We played BYU, we played Boston College, we play anybody that would play us. And I knew that I said that it would pay off. Last year, we had a lot of ups and downs with some injuries and and some things that are you know no excuses for that, but like uh, kind of a little out of our control. But those three years have added up to a point where we feel like we have good depth we have like we've kind of built a roster like where we feel comfortable going and competing in and uh you know we've increased every single year and now the expectations are to go to a bowl game this is the 10th year of fbs football for our program and you know they've never been to a bowl game and that's our expectations and hopefully we can deliver that this year let's talk about probably one of the bigger storylines of the sunbelt conference from the offseason brady mcbride transfers out <laughs> you bring in lane hatcher I'm, I'm not going to say that Lane Hatcher's a better quarterback than Brady McBride, but just as good, probably the equivalent. What does Lane Hatcher bring to your program, especially having spent time under Nick Summa, that kind of experience, what does that bring to your program? Yeah, it, but, like, first off, like you just said, like, if I would have told you before the 2022 season that Brady McBride would be at App State and then we'd have Lane Hatcher, I'd, I'd be like, what world are we living in right now? Because right. it's just so bizarre to me, but... But Lane, uh, you know, the opportunity presented itself, and, you know, Lane came in. Uh, I love his work ethic. Uh, he, you know, he's learned under Nick Saban. Like, the thing about him is he just wants to work and he wants to be good at, at playing quarterback. It means a lot to him. And, and he's already got this contagious work ethic and personality that a quarterback should have. You know, I've been very fortunate to coach a lot of good quarterbacks over the years. I've had 10 NFL quarterbacks, and, and he's got a work ethic and, like, a drive like these guys. And, um, you know, I think he's going to do great things for us. You know, he, he's very committed to, uh, you know, the teammates. He's cordial with them. You know, he understands how it is. But, like, when he's out there in between the white lines, he's going to do whatever it takes to get the ball moving. And uh, that's why I appreciate about the kid right now. You know, talking about Lane Hatcher spending time at Alabama, you spent some time at some pretty big programs. You were at A&M for a period. You were at West Virginia. Talk about those programs and what you kind of took away from those programs when you came down to San Marcos. Yeah, you know, at A&M, you look at all the political sides of things. It's such a massive university, and there's so many different moving parts. And, and you learn how to recruit at a high level, and you learn what it like takes. You know, I, t I had a lot of valuable lessons from A&M. But when you go to, like, West Virginia, West Virginia had a culture to me. Very tough to recruit to. And, and while people, like, talk about the transfer portal, portal right now, like, we were transferring in half a class to more every single year at West Virginia. If you look at all the greats that came through West Virginia, a lot of them are – college transfers like from will greer to jeff hostetler to you you name it you know and and that was kind of the approach i learned that you got to do what's right for your program to compete at the highest level you know so like you start looking at the quality of kid that you're currently recruiting is is that going to be comparable to the louisianas of the, our conference who's winning the conference you know like and that's where you got to make your decisions of either going to the transfer portal or, or getting a kid to develop and uh, those are the lessons i learned when i was at at cal berkeley but i've been fortunate to be 
I mean, uh, that was at West Virginia, but I've been I'm fortunate to learn from like how Cal Berkeley and academic side of things yep. to University of Houston and Tulsa and and just to kind of see in Oklahoma State and just see how like those programs operate. And what I've learned is everybody's different and you got to find what your niche is and you got to stick with it and do what's right for your program. We talked about Lane Hatcher. Let's look at your skill players. Calvin Hill back at running back. You got Javen Banks and Marcel Barbie back at the receiver position. You know, having those proven skill players for an experienced quarterback but a new quarterback to your system, you know, how important? It's very important, you know, because like I, I don't want the quarterback to have that much pressure going into it. Let him ease him, at least let him ease into it. But uh, just having like you know, Calvin has been around for a long time, established himself as a pretty solid back. Uh, you know, you got Javen Banks, Marcel Barry. They've caught a lot of balls. You know, I was looking at like Javen Banks. He's played in 45 games in career games. That's a, it's a ton, you know. And, and Lane's played in 37 games. You know, so you start looking at it all, and, and Calvin's over 20, and. And, uh, you know, you just looked at there's a, we've got some solid experience that, you know, Lane, like, you know, if you get in that position, you don't have to be the guy that, uh, like, that wins it. You can rely on, you can lean on everybody else. All right, so I'm going to apologize. I'm about to butcher this last name. Okay. Dion Tupo. <laughs> was I close? Dion A. Tupo. You got Tupo. Okay, well, I was, uh-huh. I was close. Back at that weak side linebacker spot, you've also got Jordan Revels and London Harris as well. You know, talk about that group. Yeah, you know, um, I talk about Sione. He's he's been just a solid guy. Like he's a guy that plays in the box. He's a run stopper. You know, we don't put him out in space very often. He's got great leadership ability, and he's been playing at a high level for us. But you know, with Jordan Revels, he came in 2019 and played defensive end, and you know, and he was even playing defensive end in these last few years. But now, with the depth that we brought in at defensive line, we can now move Jordan to an outside linebacker position, and then that takes London Harris out of that rush position and moves him to a will linebacker position, which. It helps us out so much. So, like, I take credit for, you know, the, the the reason why we can move these guys around is for the recruiting that we've done at the defensive line position. Chatting with Texas State head coach Jake Spavadol. Coach, nine starters coming back on offense. That's wild <laughs> in, in, in today's college football. You know, and, and a pretty successful offense last year. How do you continue, How do you use the experience from last year to just keep that train kind of rolling even with two new players. Yeah, it, it, that's comforting, especially up front. You know, you got a lot of continuity with those guys because that's the hardest position to coach and to get them to think and step and do everything the same. Uh, you know, you, you kind of like look at the overall depth of where we're at. You know, it's you have nine starters, but, you know, due to COVID and unfortunate injuries, you know, like we've actually got more starters than that on the team. You know, it's, uh, you know, we got 10 offense line that have started games before. And, and that's a, that's a have, you know, and, and, and it makes us feel so comfortable on moving guys in and out. And we have contingency plans for third-team centers and fourth-team centers and backup tackles. So uh, that's going to be a very important deal for us because we've got to lean on that experience. We understand that, you know, we've gotten better every single year. You know, let's, let's start off a little bit quicker than what we've ever started at because we've got the experience that we've had and that we never had. Let's talk about today's, you know, state of college football with NIL and realignment. <laughs> Sunbelt has benefited bringing in four new members. You've benefited by bringing in a guy like Lane Hatcher. But, you know, from your perspective, where is college football headed? And is it a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, I don't know where it's going. You know, like I'm fortunate to sit in on a lot of committees. Uh, I sit on the NCAA Ethics Committee. I sit on the Name, Image, Likeness Task Force and the Rules Committee. And, uh, you know, you, you listen that everybody's got issues, everybody's got problems. And at the end of the day, you can either complain about it or you can just, you know, work towards a solution. And, and that's what we choose to do. Uh, everybody asks, is our game under attack? And, you know, it's, it's not the, you know, the college football of the past. Like, I love our game. 
you know, and it's a great game. And we're sitting here in New Orleans right now talking about the upcoming season. So it's up to us to, to figure out how it is and navigate these uncharted waters and, and know that the good things are going to lie ahead. Yeah, you know, I liked what you said at, at the podium earlier. You said, you know, we could either adapt or die. Exactly. And, that, and that's how college football is right now. You, you can't sit there and complain about it. Absolutely. Looking at the schedule, you know, you got some big games, in-state game with Baylor. You play App. You also play newcomer James Madison. You kind of talk about this whole and, and what games kind of stick out to you guys. Yeah, I think it's a tough schedule across the board. You know, like if you look, I think we had eight games last year that was one possession game. You know, so the Sun Belt is going to be fun regardless. Okay. I tell them if you're up 20, down 20, doesn't matter. There's a reason they be, call it the Fun Belt, right? <laughs> exactly, the Fun Belt. And, you know, uh, I, I'm curious, you know, like we talk about going out to Nevada week one and you want to talk about transfer portal and like they got a new coach. You know, they've probably got about 50 to 60 new players. I, I, you look at their depth chart from last year, it's completely different. You don't know who you're like. Those early games are going to be about our experience and just worrying about, you know, what we can control and just playing our game and have our answers for what we need to. But once we get the conference play, I think it's going to be pretty interesting, you know, just being able to go up to James Madison. I've, I've drove by the stadium before, never been in. I heard it's an unbelievable atmosphere, and it's going to be great for the Sun Belt. You know, you got App State, who's a, a very tough team. You know, I think those are going to be very two tough challenges early before we actually get into the Western, you know, conference play. Coach, last question I've got for you. Talk to me about, you know, what's the expectation in San Marcos? What can fans expect from this Bobcats group? Yeah, it, I, I think the expectations is to go to a bowl game. You know, I, I think we've had a lot of success from our baseball standpoint and a basketball standpoint this year, and and I think every year we've gotten better. And and uh, to go to a a bowl game for the first time in school history could really galvanize our community and, and our university and, 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 and spark a lot of excitement around. So that's our expectations right now. We'd love to do that for our university. Texas State head coach Jake Spavadol joining us here on Crunch Time with Media as a Mesh. They open their season on September the 3rd at Nevada. Coach, really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck. This yeah, appreciate the time as well. There he goes, Jake Spavadol. Here at the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, you can score a brand new Apple Watch by sending a text. Text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's G-A-M-E to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win that Apple Watch, plus tons of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the Game's Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a timeout. Kane Wamaka, South Alabama, will join us on the other side, and we'll wrap up today's show. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to know what went down today in New Orleans at Sunbelt Media Days? Not to worry. The Game has you covered. Back to more of The Game's Sunbelt Media Days coverage, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands, here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming to you live from the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans. Sunbelt Media Days Day 2 wrapping up here. James Mesh back in the master control suite. So looking at the, the two days as a whole, we heard from every coach in the conference as well as two players from each institution. And the message was really the same across the board. You know, the Sun Belt is in a great state. It's one of the most talked about conferences in all of college football. And it's going to be one of the most competitive this year, especially in the East. App State, Coastal, Marshall, Georgia State, 
don't be surprised if James Madison throws up a couple of good games there in year number one. I think they're going to make that transition pretty seamlessly. In the West, wide open. Yes, Louisiana's the favorite, and there's reason to believe that Louisiana's the favorite. But outside of the Cajuns, South, Troy, you know, there's Arkansas State could even turn things around. Yeah, they were 2-10 and 10 last year, but they've got the number one recruiting class in the Sun Belt this year. So there, there's so many things that could go down in this Sun Belt Conference. Looking at the Cajuns, good start to the season. You play a tough Southeastern team. You get challenged by Eastern Michigan. You go on the road at Rice and ULM to open up Sun Belt play with ULM. And then the gauntlet starts. South Al at Marshall, Arkansas State at Southern Miss, Troy, Georgia Southern, and then you end the season at Florida State at Texas a and at Texas State. The team, the, the thing that I'm most concerned about with this, and we've talked about it at nauseum now, replacing four starters on the offensive line. How will the Cajuns be able to adapt to that being such a run-heavy offense? The other thing, Amani Bailey and Montreal Johnson, both gone a year ago. Yes, Chris Smith was your leading rusher. How is he able to become the bell cow now is going to be an interesting take. Who's going to say hike? It's probably going to be Chandler Fields, but we don't know that. Deza said he wants to announce a starting quarterback on August 22nd. Who's it going to be? You know, you return six starters on offense, you return five on defense. How long can that 13-game win streak continue for the Louisiana Ragecators? We'll recap it all tomorrow as I am back in the studio at Delta Media. We'll recap Sunbelt Media Days tomorrow and Friday as well. We'll also bring you the latest on the MLB trade deadline with the Houston Astros. Saints training camp getting underway this week. We'll talk all of that and more. And as always, your phone calls on the hotline, 706 one one one. One more time, I want to take the opportunity to thank our sponsors, Next Home Cutting Edge Realty. They will start you on your path to owning your next home and the Wetlands, Lafayette's premier public golf course. Thanks to John Summerall, Kane Womack, Jake Spavadol, and Butch Jones for taking the time to join us today. Jay, appreciate everything you do. CD, appreciate everything you do as well. And as a reminder, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, Go sign up for the Rewards Club. Lots of opportunities to win gift certificates to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, Half Shell Oyster House, Mabel's Kitchen. You can also win Astros tickets. You can sign up to win Burt Kreischer tickets. 40. I mean, there's so much reason to go join the game clubhouse. Once again, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. You can even join the club. Text G-A-M-E to 337 Eight one zero zero. Once again, Matt Niguez signing off from New Orleans here at the Hotel Sheraton on Canal Street. Be safe, be well.